This is Georgina Riley, and you are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast, everyone. I'm Christopher DeFilippis, and I bring you the latest in our series of interview redo specials featuring the interviews we did with the cast and crew of the Quantum Leap Revival series throughout Season 1, most of which appeared only on our YouTube channel. But before we get going on this one, I have some news about the new season of Quantum Leap. Season 2, Episode 1 premieres Wednesday, October 4th at 8 p.m. This is a switch from the original 9 p.m. time slot. Quantum will now be a lead-in for the final episodes of the new Magnum P.I., so it's all Belisario all the time on Wednesdays this fall on NBC or something like that. That premiere date is only about a month away, so I'm going to change things up with these redo shows. Including this one, we have 10 to go. So I'm accelerating the release schedule to get them all out before the new season premieres. A new redo show will drop every few days throughout September, culminating with our group chat with Raymond, Caitlin, and Nan Rissa, which is fitting since they talk about where they'd like to see the show go in season two. But there's a ways to go between here and there, so let's get started. We are up to interview redo episode nine, Fellow Travelers, the episode where Ben leaps into a bodyguard who has to save the life of a 70s pop star. And we have another great round of interviews to go with this one. First, Matt speaks with Carissa Lee Staples, who played Jamie, the evil sister in this episode. Then Matt and Albie talk to composer Jamie Jackson, who wrote the song Traveling On, which is featured in this episode. And we wrap things up by interviewing Janice Calavici herself, Georgina Riley. Now, it's kind of ironic that we were nine weeks into the season before we spoke to Georgina because she was one of the first cast members to agree to be on the show. But given Janice's mysterious agenda, we all decided that it would be better to wait so we'd actually have something to talk about. And it was worth the wait, as you'll soon hear. Georgina is cool and funny, and this is actually her first appearance of two on the podcast, which should give you an indication of how much she enjoys being on the show and connecting with the QL fan community. And I mean being on Quantum Leap, not on our show. She might enjoy being on our show too. I don't know, but I wasn't trying to be, you know, all uh, braggy over there. Anyway, speaking of that fan community, it's QLP fans like you who make these interviews possible with special thanks to our producers, Harold Sullivan, Glenda Palma, Chris, aka Brackmang, Mike Covert, Jeff Kiska, Craig Riedler, Cosplay Dad, Charles Allen Gossard, and Morgan Felden. Go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast to learn more about how you can support the show. All right, fellow travelers, let's get traveling on. What, you're not going to let me in either? Oh, somebody screwed up, didn't they? This is a work thing and that invitation wasn't for me. I'm afraid not. I appreciate your honesty. Hey, welcome to the Quantum Leap podcast. Tonight on the show, uh, I'm really excited to have with me Carissa Lee Staples. Carissa, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. 
Thanks for joining us. Um, Carissa, you may remember, played Jamie Farmer uh, in the recent episode, Fellow Travellers. Uh, so we're going to get into that in a bit. But um, perhaps first you could tell me a little bit about your background, because I know you were uh, Miss Maine about 15 years ago. And then ever since then, you seem to have been everywhere. Your career's just exploded. So what what happened? Can you take me through, take me through all that and, and what's got you here today? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I grew up in Maine and the only creative outlet that I had was to do community theater. And I just wanted to get on stage and get my training and experience. And um, when I graduated high school, I didn't really know what else to do. I wanted to study at college. Um, but the the Miss Maine opportunity presented itself. And I figured maybe this could be my way out of town. And um, through that year, uh, as Miss Maine, I made a lot of connections. I got my first manager. I was able to move to New York City and um, train uh, and study acting, but also start going out and auditioning. So that was kind of like the springboard for my career. And um, after that, I, I would just say luck meets preparation and opportunity. Um, I found my way to Los Angeles, got new representation, and um, got on a show, which uh, opened another door for me. And I've been working pretty steadily ever since, which I'm very grateful for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, steadily is uh, is one way of putting it. As I say, it's um, you seem to have been everywhere constantly and a lot of uh, voice work as well. Was that something that you, obviously acting is your first love. You, you clearly had a, a goal there. Was voice acting something you ever expected to get into or did that just drop into your lap you know it's that world is very funny um one of my first agents out here was a voiceover agent and um i auditioned hundreds of times i went to the studio and uh recorded in their booth and i never i never worked i could never book anything it's a very tough world to to be a part of and i don't know how i got the opportunity, but a studio in Burbank reached out to me and they said, Hey, we have a video game. Will you be the voice? Um, I can't remember what that first one was. It was probably additional voices or something. And then ever since that, um, studio has asked me back several times. Uh, I don't have a voiceover agent, so it was just, um, a, now I don't, um, but it was just a relationship that I built with this, um, particular company. And that's how I was able to I don't know, voice some video games. And I went in one day for, I would say four, four hours, maybe a couple of days in a row for four hours at a time. And it was very non-disclosure. And I didn't realize it was the King, the Disney kingdom hearts video game. Um, they didn't tell me anything until after it was released. I, I had no idea what I was seeing on the screen. It's very strange. It was very strange. Oh, and, wow. Um, I didn't so realize that was kind of a big deal. How do you get into a character like that or characters like that without without knowing the background? That's amazing. All all I was just focusing on was I was dubbing the the um I don't know if it was I don't a Japanese version or something. All right, I'm yeah. not quite okay. sure. Yeah, mm -hmm. so what I had to do was listen to the voice and then kind of just recreate it in English. And I mean that was really my only focus i had to listen to the tone of the voice the the pitch and kind of recreate that in the english version um but yeah i'm not a video game person i had no idea 
but it's a fun, it's fun. I love being in the booth. I love doing different voices. I grew up um, singing as well. I wanted to, to do musical theater initially. So um, using my voice as a tool has been, um, is very familiar to me. The, the fact that you uh, you were a singer, that's something I definitely wanted to come back to later on um, because I know, obviously, your, your character uh, in Quantum Leap sung. So, um, yeah, maybe we can talk a bit about Quantum Leap then. How did, uh, how did that role come about? Um, I was – back in September, I was shooting um, a guest star on uh, Magnum P.I., and I was out in uh, Hawaii for a week. And then I got the audition and obviously everything is self-tapes these days. And uh, fortunately, my boyfriend was visiting me at the time and uh, we carved out a couple hours and shifted things in our hotel room. And he threw me on tape and he coached me for it. He's a wonderful coach as well. Um, but yeah, I I did a self-tape audition in my hotel room in Hawaii. Um, and uh, yeah, and then I got the call, which was awesome. It's it's nice because it feels like in this industry work begets work. And, you know, once you get the ball rolling, you start to f- be in the flow a little bit more. So I was very grateful to be on a job and then have another job to look forward to. A lot of what we, we hear about the audition process um, for Quantum Leap particularly is just how fast paced everything is. Did you find you had that experience as well? What what was the kind of turnaround time for you from that that moment in the hotel room to actually being there on set? Yeah, I I don't remember specifically. I'm pretty sure I had maybe about a week from the time I got the role to the time I was on set. But in that time, I, I'm filling out paperwork and getting wardrobe uh, there, my measurements and and um, yeah, there's a lot to like before you actually arrive on set, there's a lot that needs to get done. And then all of a sudden I'm on set. And I, th- I remember only having like a day to really watch a couple episodes and get the tone of the show and the pace and everything. So it does, it is a whirlwind and um, network television moves very quickly. A couple shows that I've been on, you're just, I'm in and out sometimes in a couple hours. Um, but yeah, you just have to be prepared for anything kind of go with the flow and on the fly. And that's amazing. That's something that hadn't struck me because we've been speaking to guest performers um, right from the start of the show. Uh, I think you're the first person that said to me, oh, I was able to watch some episodes um, as part of preparation, uh, just just by nature of the fact that everyone else we've spoken to, they were in it before it even started airing. Um, so was that was that particularly helpful for you to get the tone right? And And what did you make of the show? Oh, um, I have to, <laughs> I have to admit, I didn't realize it was a show before it was, um, yeah, uh, back on air. Um, so I, I had no idea until everyone kept saying, oh, I was a fan of the original <laughs> show. And I was like, oh crap, if I don't do my research now, I'm really going to be in the dark. <laughs> um, so yeah, I pulled up a couple episodes and, um, and it's true. You have to kind of know the, the pace. And I didn't realize how quickly it moves. It's like, boom, 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 boom. Um, and the style of acting and, and, uh, there's a, like a, what I love about quantum is that there's a, a comedic flair to it. And, uh, you know, that's, that's fun to, to know that you can not take everything so seriously. And yeah, it's just, um, to go on a set and not 
know the show at all would be terrifying for me. So, um, yeah, it was fun. Watch a couple episodes and all right, I'm ready to jump into that world. And of course, every episode is a different decade. So there are new surprises there. But, you know, once you're in the costume and the character and you're doing it, it's and you have great direction. We had an awesome director, David Grossman. Um, yeah, everything kind of falls into place. It's fun. Yeah. So you mentioned, um, yeah, going onto set without without any preparation or, or any kind of uh, knowledge of it would be would be scary. But um, of course, a lot of the guest stars on that, or all the guest stars on that episode, like Deborah, were also new to it. How did that affect things? The fact that yeah, I guess you, the only the only main characters you really interacted with being Raymond and I guess to an extent Caitlin. Uh, did you what what was the atmosphere like there on set with everyone going through that that same motion together? I just realized as soon as I got there that um you know they're in their first season, everyone loves their job, so uh, already there's good energy on set um I don't know if I'll get in trouble for saying this, but uh Deborah pulled me aside. She didn't pull me aside. I sat next to her while we were watching Ray, uh, Raymond and Caitlin do their little scene in the the lobby. Um, and she turns to me and she goes, have you ever done network television before? And I didn't know where she was getting at. And uh, I was like, uh, yeah, a, a little bit. Um, yeah, it's so much fun, isn't it? You know, and she goes, they move so fast. I, I'm so used to, I mean, she wasn't complaining by any means, but she's like, I'm so used to being able to really sit with the director and do multiple takes and, and talk about the character and the uh, objective of the scene. And, um, it's much, she's used to working in an environment that is, that has the time to really perfect every, every take, every performance, every scene, um, and so I think she was a little taken aback by it, but I, my experience is that I've, I've done a lot of TV movies, like lifetime movies, and we shoot those in 15, 10 to 15 days. So, um, the, the pace was normal, I guess, for me, um, to only have a take or two, but, um, yeah, creatively as an actor, you could always be like, Hey, well, you know, I wish I had more time to, to get that take right. But excitement wise, the energy stays up when it's like all right go 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 um so it's a blessing and a curse uh but yeah everyone even deborah was she's a true professional i i just looked at her in awe and i i mean she is a class act and she is very very talented and um it just goes to show that she is capable of doing anything so um it was really cool to work with her and see how she worked um as well as raymond and caitlin and this was, um, you talk about the pace, this was an eight-day shoot, right? Yep, I believe so, yeah. Did you have much time to work with Deborah on kind of getting the, the preparation right for the character? Because I, I know you, you spoke about the fact there's a bit of a comedic flair, but your character in particular is, goes to some quite deep emotional places. It's, it's a tough role. So did, did, did you and Deborah work much together on that? Um, we We didn't. I think, and I've experienced this many times before, I think when you have to work with someone and you have a relationship with them on screen, the main thing has been just getting to know each other off camera and building a bond. 
And I think she really took the time to, to kind of get to know me and, and talk to me and I as well as her uh, getting to know her. Um, and so there was that level of closeness that we were able to bring onto the screen just by her being a beautiful soul and, and just being open to me. Um, and so that was like easily manageable, but I'm fortunate that I have an older sister and there have been times in our past where our relationship has been strained. So, um, the, the character Jamie was pretty darn relatable for me. And, um, Deborah always gave me a hundred percent and, um, I hope that I gave her a hundred percent and that just, um, I felt like there was a lot of magic there between us. So, uh, I was very fortunate to have clicked with her right away. Hmm. Well, I'm sorry to hear it came from such a personal, a personal place, but, uh, it definitely, it, it showed it was a great performance and it, it was very, very believable and very easy to relate to, uh, as an audience member as well. Going back a little bit, you you mentioned uh, that you've you've got a background in singing. Um, obviously, the, there's that wonderful moment at the end where the two of you do a duet. Uh, I think I'm right in in thinking that that was a that was dubbed over. That's not your voices, is that right? It was dubbed over. It was dubbed. Um, yeah. <laughs> It, it looked very believable. Um, do do oh, you think? Do you think it helps the fact? Because I know I can't sing, and I also can't mime. So I, I kind of assume the two go hand in hand. I guess when we were filming it, we were in a way singing, and they just didn't have our mics on, so it was easier to um, to kind of follow along. And we, Deborah and I, had our headphones in any chance we got because we got the song a couple days before and we were playing it over and over again. And so do, do you get the high part? Do I get the low part? Because I wonder if that'll change, you know, the way wow. we, we dub it uh, sometimes. So we, we talked about that a lot. And um, for us both, I think not to speak for her, but I think we both were just listening to that song over and over and over and over again. So that by the time we were on stage and, and we, we shot it, uh, we were singing, but obviously they cut it out, but it felt real. That was the only way to do it. it. I think it would feel very strange not having anything come out of my mouth <laughs> during yes. filming. I, I don't think it would have worked the same. I mean, mind you, uh, my, my pipes are pretty rusty. It's been a long time since <laughs> uh, I've been a singer. So I'm actually grateful that someone else sang those songs. <laughs> yeah. The fact that you're able to have those discussions about like, you know, it, who takes which bits and it's the kind of things that a, a non-singer probably wouldn't even consider. And that's if those, those are the kind of things that probably make it more believable and, uh, and sold it in the end. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, just want to go back a little bit in terms of that preparation. Um, how do you, how do you prepare as an actress in terms of the fact that Jamie is a red herring for a, a good amount of it, and you're trying to give across this impression to the audience that you probably are the killer, even though you know you're not, um, just enough to be able to string them along to the point where it's it's believable. What kind of extra challenges does that present? Uh, there is obviously a fine line between, you know, playing it innocently or playing it with a little too much edge. It could have gone either way. Luckily, the direction um, was very helpful. For me, it was pretty straightforward. If I, if I, my character had a little bit of edge to her, but also um, 
some genuinity. And that's really the fine line that I was dancing that I would just, I would think that it would speak for itself. And um, it's very difficult um, to show that you've had a dark past, but you've changed. And I think that was like my biggest thing was that, you know, when I, I see Raymond for the first time, I am a little ticked off and, and you see that, okay, she's a little snarky. She's a little spicy, but those moments when I talk about my sister can be very genuine. And I love that the show itself, uh, the script itself kind of made you think, you know, without my help made you think, oh, it's Jamie. Oh, it's not Jamie. Oh, it's, you know, there was definitely help between, um, you know, the other characters as far as figuring out whether or not I was the killer. But uh, yeah, even I, I forgot a lot of it. Uh, so when I watched it, I was like, ooh, ooh, he's the guy. No, I'm the, I, I was following along as well. So um, yeah, I, I just made some choices and, and stuck to them and they seemed to work. So how was, how was the experience of watching it? Uh, it's so rare that we get to speak to somebody after uh, the episode's aired. Usually we're speaking to them up front. So um, yeah, what, oh. <laughs> what, what was it like actually sitting down and watching it uh, last week? Any surprises? It was actually, I didn't, well, I usually when I watch something of mine, I'm alone and I get to just see it and kind of critique myself. And, but in this case, I was on vacation at my boyfriend's family's home and, and they were like, all right, where they had a whole viewing party and I was wow. just, my heart was the beating support. the whole time. And <laughs> <laughs> the support was so lovely but it's really not how i watch my my things for the first time but um but i have to say having that that group of people there cheering me on was really exciting um and i got to see it in a different way um i I, i'm surprised at how quickly everything moved um even though i was familiar with the the other episodes that i had watched but yeah it was definitely fast paced and exciting. And I love the editing and I love the music. And, um, I got to see a lot of Deborah. The, the bi- biggest surprise, I guess, for me was seeing Deborah's performance. And, um, I was just obviously blown away by her and, um, and, and how, uh, how wonderful Raymond is at very subtle comedy. He's just like, there were times where I just laughed out loud and he didn't, it's like, he doesn't even have to try. So, um, I really just watched and observed uh, everyone's performances uh, mostly because I guess I was looking at it through the lens of crit- maybe critiquing myself. Um, so I saw the other characters that way and I'm, I'm really just, I'm, I'm impressed and it's a great show. I'm so happy to be a part of it, a tiny part of it. Just looking back then overall to your time on Quantum Leap, what would be your kind of your, your key memory or takeaway um, that you'd walk away from it with? I think it's my key memory would be there were moments throughout the shoot when I would just be standing there, maybe in the wings at the theater um, or even on stage, just kind of looking out and thinking, wow, I'm just so grateful to be here. Um, I have, I think I had multiple moments during that show where it's kind of like a, even though I've been working a lot, I just had so many pinch me moments. Um, yeah, I think because it is such, it seems like it, it is a big production and to just be standing there and respected and, and feel welcomed by people, even though I'm just kind of essentially passing through. Uh, yeah, there's just a lot of moments of gratitude 
Um, I mean, I, I feel that way about everything I do, but yeah, getting to step into a character in the 1970s. I mean, that's not something that I've ever done. And so there were a lot of firsts for me singing um, as a character, my character singing. uh, That was new. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, overall, it was just a really, it was a pinch me experience. Oh, so good to hear. I think that that probably uh, wraps up everything on Quantum Leap. Um, as we've spoken about, you you've already seem to have done everything in the last ten or fifteen years, but uh, I'm sure you've got a lot coming up as well. Can you can you share any any productions that you've got in the pipeline that we can look out for? Uh, yeah, I um, I'm on SWAT. I play the wife of David uh, Lim's character. Um, Victor Tan. And I'll be returning this season. I believe my first episode back is uh, January 27th. So that's coming up in a couple of weeks and um, new stuff goes down. So it's, it, there's a little uh, twist in there um, that hopefully I'm just curious how people are going to respond to it. And uh, like I said, I was shooting Magnum PI when I got Quantum Leap, and that is actually not airing until I think 19th. It's a Sunday night, February 19th on NBC. So um, yeah, I'll be in the season five premiere of Magnum PI and in another SWAT episode down the road. So we'll see how you know the story unfolds there. But yeah. Lots to look forward to. Fantastic. So, yeah, loads of places for the fans to find you. Well, Carissa, all that leaves uh, is for me to say thank you for your time. Thank you for being so generous with your time. And um, we really appreciate you being on the show. Of course. And again, thank you so much for having me. This was a lovely conversation. I appreciate it. Thanks. Hey, this is the Quantum Leap Podcast, and tonight on the show, we're really excited to have a special guest with us. Uh, we have Jamie Jackson, uh, who wrote the song Traveling On uh, from the latest episode, Fellow Travelers. Jamie, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're definitely going to want to talk about the song and uh, the background behind that and your experiences uh, on the show. Um, but perhaps first you could give us a little bit of background and, and talk us through your career so far and what's, what, what have been the highlights and what's, what's got you to this, uh, this point writing songs for TV? Yeah, well, um, my husband and I are, are partners and we were um, making records as singer-songwriters and um, a lot of the songs were being licensed for film and TV. So, you know, when you hear a popular song in the background that isn't score, um, we call them needle drops. We were getting a lot of those. And there was a creator um, on a show called Scrubs, Bill Lawrence. He had placed a lot of our music on that series and he had an upcoming series and he was looking for a composer. And so he had us audition and we auditioned together and um, they gave about 10 composers a shot and they gave us all numbers um, so that nobody, you know, people had their friends or people they'd worked with in the past. Um, they just wanted it to be completely unbiased selection. And we ended up, that's how we got our first job composing for TV and film. And so we've done that for 
12 years now. And then in between projects, we'll write songs um, and make albums as singer songwriters and produce and uh, produce other songwriters. And we get hired to do songs um, for series like Quantum Leap. So, um, yeah, so I didn't realize you did a bit of both because I, I kind of um, during research for this, I went back as far as I could and I found your work as Hossa's son and that mm-hmm. seemed to also be um TV and film music as opposed to something that you'd done yourself that had then been licensed was that right or have I got that the wrong way around no, it's, it's the other way around um I had a son as an electronic project um that started on hiatus um from uh the first television series we did I just wanted to have some fun and make music for no reason. And it ended up getting picked up by some local radio stations and uh, we got signed by a label in Canada. And so I was doing that part time. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I listened to the album and it's, it's some great music. It's just, uh, yeah, as I was um, searching for the songs, I kept finding them popping up in TV shows. So I yeah. kind of figured it was the other way around. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Great. Yeah. Um, so how would you describe the kind of differences between um, getting an assignment for TV and working to, I, I don't know what kind of spec they give you, I guess they give you the storylines, the characters, whatever, versus just being able to do something where you're looking more internally or from your own experience? Yeah, I'm when I'm writing and recording a song for a series or a film, I'm telling someone else's story. And I'm helping realize someone else's vision. Um, and, you know, Dean is is great to work with that way because when I, I worked with Dean on Bluff City Law, I don't know if you saw that series um, that he created, but we also, we did the score for that, but we also wrote some songs. And Dean really invites you into his world when you're working with him and gives you full access. And it's really invigorating because, you know, with Quantum Leap, I got a text from him on a Sunday saying, hey, would you be interested in writing a song? We're going to leap into the 70s. You've got, we've got two weeks to complete it, which means I have about five days to write it, send out the first draft. And they called me from the writer's room. So as they were writing the episode, I was also writing the song and he invites you right in, you know, um, a lot of showrunners and executive producers don't do that, but he makes the time. And then that helps your instincts to hopefully get it quick. So we got it on the first try because Dean was so welcoming you know, they were on their ninth episode. They're a well-oiled ship. I'm just jumping in. I, I don't, you know, I don't know the other writers and producers and I didn't have time to learn their language, their taste. And, um, and so there was just an open communication with Dean and the writers and, you know, they were still casting it. They, um, in the middle of the process of writing the song, we actually did a time leap in the process and changed the we went from 1970 to 1979 mm. slash early eighties and went less. The first idea was to go more country pop and we went more rock pop. Mm. And so 
it's a very fast and furious process because you know you have to have the pre-records and have everything ready for them to record live have all the musicians lined up and um but it's always fun with Dean because again, he really invites you into his world, but he lets you do his, your job. You know, he, he's good at conveying the emotional arc and what he's going for and what story we need to tell and also what songs and, and, um, energy was inspiring to him. So that really, you know, it's very different working that way versus me just going into my studio and going, you know, what, what am I feeling? Let me just let it out. You know, um, what do I want to say? So, um, that's how it's, it's really different. Is there a lot of like pressure when you're writing a song for an episode like this? Like when I first watched the episode and I heard the song, I was like, wow, this is good. How did I ever miss this? Or maybe it's original, but I, I feel like I've heard it and it's a big hit. So is it like a lot of pressure? You got to write like her main song that everybody wants to hear when they come to the concert. And this has to, cause I mean, the song really could make or break the episode and it really made the episode in this case. Is that like a lot of pressure to write a number one hit? Like even in a, in a TV show universe. You know? Well, thanks for saying that it so much pressure. You should have seen <laughs> the playlist I got from Dean and the writer drew they were like, these are the songs and the vibe that we like. And it was, you know, all of my heroes, all of the greatest songs ever written. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I felt a lot of pressure from that angle, you know, because we're as a musician, you're always striving to hit, you know, get that hit song. And um, but. It, it was helpful that it was just so fast. Like I had to go with my, my first instinct. And as I was saying, it, it shifted. Like we started with 1970 more country pop inspiration. So we're thinking like Dolly Parton. We're thinking um, Linda Ronstadt, Nancy Sinatra. So we were leaning more in that direction and I had about 24 hours in the studio and I was circling in on um, a, a chorus and some some lyrics for the verse because you're also writing lyrics coming that have to mean something, that have to support this, the emotional arc and the, the storyline between Carly and her sister. And then it also ties in with Ben and Addison and the whole thing. So... Um, and I was, but I was, I was a little stuck, you know, midway through, which always usually happens at some point. And I get a text from Dean and he's like, I'm so sorry, Jamie, but we're changing the whole scenario <laughs> of the song. Like it was going to be an award ceremony. Now it's just going to be a performance. Now we want to do 1979, 1980. We want to go more rock. And I was like, no, it's all good. It's all good. And then that just kind of broke it down for me. I sat down and I wrote it immediately. It just fell out. So the work that we had done in preparation for the other direction just prepped us. Um, and I will say, um, I co-write a lot with this woman named Jamie Drake. I'm Jamie Jackson. She's Jamie Drake. And I knew that I wanted her to sing on this and be a part of it because 
um, I'm a composer. I'm at home. I'm, you know, I've been at home with my kid through the pandemic working and she's been out still touring and she really had the spirit of, of Carly in my mind. And Dean has heard a few songs that Jamie and I have done together. So I brought her in as the vocalist and we'll get in the room. And so she was part of the writing as well. Um, and, um, and, you know, again, I just have to attribute it to Dean allowing us into his world and making himself available. And Drew Lindo, who, who wrote the, uh, the episode as well, um, because we were able to, we didn't get really any notes. We we're like, that's it. The first try. And it, it doesn't happen very often, you know. That obviously speaks to the co- collaboration that you had uh, up front. Yeah. Um, not not to retrospectively add even more pressure, but you mentioned about the uh, putting the lyrics to the the, the storyline that's going on between Ben and Addison, the storyline that's going on um, between Carly and her sister. A lot of the lyrics also seem to link to the overall story arc not just what's going on in that episode just the whole concept of traveling through time yeah and any pressure there as well just feeling like you're effectively creating the what i'm guessing is going to be the song of the season i assume that there's not going to be any more coming up so this is this is the song that's going to represent what we're watching right now as a as a whole show that's exciting i mean <laughs> you know i have to give that to dean because he you know I loved that he came to me and he was like, the theme is traveler, (laughs) you know? And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's really brilliant. You know, he conceptually had, Oh, let me tie this all together. Um, so that was under the guidance of Dean, honestly, who, you know, also it's always a treasure working with, with creators that make you better at what you do. And he's, he's definitely one of them. One of the popular things in uh, the Quantum Leap fan community is the soundtrack that came out for the original series. Is there any talk of uh, a, a soundtrack for the new series eventually, or or and uh, was there any talk about putting this on an album one day or, or releasing it like that, like in the in the contracts and the paperwork? Like, is that allowed for already, or is that something that we, we want to hear this song without the damn actors talking over it? Yes. That's that's effectively yes. where you're going with this, Alvy, right? Yes, we want to hear that song. Um, yeah, you know what? I did bring it up on set Mm -hmm. because I was like, you know, the soundtrack is so great Mm -hmm. and the score is awesome. And I did drop a hint to Dean and Drew. I was like, y'all should really consider doing a soundtrack and releasing Mm -hmm. it. I think the fans Mm -hmm. would love it. I think in the original series, there were three times that there was specially composed Mm -hmm tracks um for the show and 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 each time scott bacula got the opportunity to just sing the songs and everything else stopped and uh, so even before the cds came out we got the chance to hear the songs so i joke about the damn actors talking over them but honestly (laughs) this song sort of becomes background music for a bit and then comes back again so yeah um yeah, I, I think there's, there's some unique value in actually getting this out as a yeah. as a song. We're jumping ahead of ourselves, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, uh, up, I think Albie and I. Are I grew up watching the show, so it's a real thrill to be a part of of the reboot. In a world where a soundtrack does come out, are there demo versions recorded of uh, like the former uh, versions of the song, like the country Dolly esque songs? 
of this song? Hmm. Or could there be? Well, the funny <laughs> thing is, is that the when we were writing the the kind of Dolly version, it was completely different melody, but it had some of the key phrases that ended up just forming. It just came together. It just, it made, it was like, okay, it clicked. This is where it was supposed to go, you know? Um, but I will say tonally the acoustic broken down version that the sisters sing at the end, it was leaning more in that direction. Um, so you do get to hear a, a little bit of how the song sounded in the other genre. Do you work uh, with the person composing the score uh, for the episode uh, or is it you work separate and it's just hope that it works together at the end? How does that work? Yeah, we worked separately. I've never met the composer. So, um, you know, the producers just, do a great job of keeping everything fluid, you know, with their direction. I will say that, um, the, one of the cool things about the song is the musicians that played on the track are actually on stage oh. playing. Uh, the only, we brought in a different pianist because I wanted to be able to, watch and make sure everything was going all right instead of being on stage so we brought in a pianist but um the guitarist the bass player the drummer they all played on the track and I, I i was like dean can we please just hire them because then we know it's gonna look great sometimes those on camera performances can be wobbly because the song comes together at such, you know, the last minute and people don't have time to rehearse or maybe it's an actor that doesn't even know how to play the instrument. Um, but Dean was very open to that and connected me with the casting director. And so three of the musicians um, did play um, on the tracker are actually on camera and then Deborah Ann Wall was brilliant. I mean, it, that's not her voice, um, right? Yeah, I'm surprised. Usually, oh, I can tell. Usually, I can tell, but I, I really thought it was her. Yeah, yeah, she was amazing. She blew us all away. She, she was really great. And then the sister that you know, it's Carly and Jamie, or the the characters' names, and um, they were both really wonderful. Can you, um, just because we kind of jumped around a, a little bit, and Albie was asking about the demo, and you're talking about uh, how the recording matched up with what was on stage. Can you just sort of walk us through the process of, of how these things go from just being in your head to being on, on screen? Well, you know, this process, um, it was so fast, you know, the the demo vocals are the vocals that we're using. Um, we, and that was, that was, was that you and your partner, Jamie? Yes. yes. Her name is Jamie Drake. Um, and it, it, 
we felt like, like normally I would just send a acoustic version and not put a whole lot of time into it because, you know, you get notes and you need to redo things and we don't have a lot of time, but you know, I just felt like we need to sell it. We need to sell the, it needs to feel electric. And, um, you know, the first thing they said, who's singing? Who, who is that? It's amazing, you know? And so they ended up wanting to keep her vocals. And what we did was the only thing I didn't record live for the demo were the drums. So once it got approved and they said, can you make it a little bit longer? Um, we lengthened it. We sent it to a drummer. Um, cause literally we had no time. And I uh, sent it off to a drummer who I was on Zoom and we were just, you know, talked through the direction. And then um, we added more background vocals and things because, you know, there's background vocalist. So and then once we nailed the full band version, they asked for um, a broken down version. And the first version of it was a little darker. And so they asked us to lighten it up just to give it a little bit more hope. And we did that, but we kept all the demo vocals. So all um, um, bringing in the extra tracks and bringing in the backing and bringing in the drumming, were, were you overseeing all of that, if effectively providing them with a, a polished piece to use in the episode? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I produced it and then I went on set just to make sure everything looked great. And, um, we have a playback, a person that plays back the track and all the musicians have, you know, in ears mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I just want to make sure that mainly that Carly, Deborah, who was playing Carly is, is comfortable and good to go. Cause she's, you know, she's it. What was the collaboration like between you and Deborah? Um, you know, uh, I'm sure the director worked with her and uh, she had her own ideas about the character and the song, but uh, what kind of like conversations did you have with her about this song and like the interaction between you two? The interaction was um, not a lot. Just I'm here for you. She's, she loved the song and the first time she ran it, we were just, it, it was a holy shit moment. She's amazing. <laughs> like, we're good. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, very little interaction. You know, I think her and Dean really connected a lot. Because, um, again, it was, it was fast. We didn't even know who the singer was going to be until the song was written. So there was always that chance that the song was going to have to change, depending on who they cast. So we got lucky that it all just kind of melded together and worked out. Uh, walking onto the set was incredible because they had, you felt like you were, it was 1979 at a concert. There were, you know, there was the merch booth with like albums made and t-shirts made and posters. And it was such a short amount of time. It was wild. Did you get to keep any uh, any mementos from that, like an album cover or a poster or something like that? I think Dean took a few. 
awesome. I think Dean saved one for me. Oh, nice. Very nice. You earned it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. How does um, the experience you've just talked about, how does that compare to other shows that you've worked on? Um, do you, Are you used to getting to go on set and, and be supportive, or are you usually more working in the background? It's both. You know, it's been almost three or four years since I've been on a set because of the pandemic. Um, I just happened to not work on a show that didn't have any on cameras right before the pandemic. And then the pandemic happened and everything I worked on was um, virtual, even mixing episodes. So I was so excited. I felt renewed um, being on set and, you know, just a reminder of how magical the process is and how many people it takes and being on a team um, was very inspiring. Um, again, you know, Dean is special because he really does let you do your job, you know, and, um, and so I think that that's why the show is, is running so well and it's doing so well, you know, he's got a clear vision and then he supports everyone. I mean, when I was chatting with the writer he was working with, we were sharing stories like similar stories on how, how great it is to work with him because you really get to do your job and it's inspiring and exciting and he's excited, you know, he's an excited, he's an inspired creative leader. And so, um, that's, that's, believe it or not, that's rare in this business, you know? So I have like a nerdy question, um, like multi-part, uh, what kind of software do you use to, uh, uh, record and edit, uh, your music, uh, for TV shows? And like, when you send it off to, the producers or whoever you send it to, do you send just the mixed down version or do you got to send individual tracks in case they need them for different things? How does that all work? Cause we don't know. So. Oh yeah. Um, I use a program called logic. Um, a lot of s singer songwriters and producers tend to use logic because it's simple, but very creative. Um, a lot of the more technical uh, sound engineers prefer to use pro tools. But I can use both. I just enjoy logic. Um, when I'm bouncing a song for producers to listen to and hopefully uh, sign off on or give notes, I want it to be easy to download. I know they might be in their car or, you know, on vacation or on a plane. And so I bounce usually an MP3 that's, you know, a smaller file just so that I know I don't get a call. Like I can't listen to this. I can't download it. So I'll usually email, um, an MP3, um, to them. And then once everything is approved, so I didn't finish mixing, having the song mixed until they had it edited, you know, in the episode in case there were any notes, like, can you get rid of the symbol or can you turn this up or can you change this background vocal? So it kind of held and I didn't hear anything 
And then I hear from the music editor who's on the show and he's like, all right, we're ready to go. We're going to be mixing in two weeks. And I just send him over um, stems. So I group like the drums and I bounce the drums and I bounce, you know, bass and guitar so that as they're mixing on stage, they have control mm. of the mix. And then I removed like reverb from the vocals so that, you know, they will have created a reverb in that theater in the show. So it's all consistent. Um, yeah. And they take it from there and they mix it and, uh, and that's it. Thank you. That's interesting. Yeah. Thanks for asking those questions. It's fun to talk about that stuff too. I wanted to compliment you on the song. It, it's I, I know it'll be on my playlist, you know, for decades to come, like music from the original series. I think it really fits in really good with this new series and the overall Quantum Leap universe and the time it was supposed to be in. It just, I, I love it. So thank you for it. Oh, thank you so much. That means so much to me. Thanks. Yeah. The, the fans are going to love it. Um, it's a, uh, yeah, it, it immediately. I, I had a very similar response to Albie when I, I was first watching it. Um, that it, it came on, and I thought this this is obviously an original original song from the seventies that I just can't quite place. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I started to realise that it wasn't, and it was specially commissioned for the show. I don't know. I know Dean said this. Um, one hundred nine just followed straight on in production from one hundred eight. They didn't have a hiatus, but it really felt like oh we're back after a break and this is, this is something big and special. And that song coming two, three minutes into the episode uh, really helped sell that kind of welcome back to the universe. That's great. Cause I know that's what they were really aiming for that. So that's great to hear. So yeah, it, it's been great to to talk to you about everything you've done so far. And um, I, I know Albie and I have learned a lot about uh, the whole production um, process, which has been fascinating. Um, can you tell us, What's coming next for you? Uh, where the listeners can find your current work? Um, anything else you'd like to point us towards, really? Yeah. Um, my husband and I are working on a new series for Apple right now. Mm. It's called uh, Bad Monkey. Mm. <laughs> We're doing that series with um, Bill Lawrence, who's um, created Scrubs and uh, produced Ted Lasso. And he's he's a... Uh, been on a bunch of things you may have seen. Um, and I also just released a single, um, with my indie. It's more, a little bit more rock and roll, um, called it was bananas. <laughs> and you can hear that it's hottestsun.com. And, um, my husband and I have a composer website, uh, was W A Z dash Jackson. And we usually post about all the projects that we're working on. And also I'll plug Jamie Drake. She's an amazing singer songwriter as well. Um, you can find her on Spotify and Apple just under Jamie Drake, D R A K E. Um, thank you once again for your time. This has been a, a really fascinating interview and, um, yeah, hopefully we'll hear more from you soon. Yes. Thank Thanks you for your so time. Much. It was a pleasure. One-way ticket, that's the price you pay Another day, another song Traveling on
joining us now is Georgina Riley. Georgina, welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Thank you. Nice to see you. Well, I mean, we are so thrilled now. We've had um, every main cast member on the show, and you are our last get. You are the the, the big bad, the main villain, and um, one of the few characters in the new series that's tied to legacy characters. So uh, we're going to get into all the geeky stuff with you. But before we get too into the weeds, could you just tell us a bit about your background, how you got started in the business, and how you came to Quantum Leap? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, actually, first off, I want to acknowledge you guys for your attention to detail. I've been listening and like, have you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. I was wondering where Allison was. Um, <laughs> but I, um, yeah, no, no, I have because I find, you know, you get told about podcasts and you're like, I want to, you know, obviously you want to know what you're, it's a professional thing. You should like want to know what's going on and, you know, where I'm going and stuff. But I, I really do admire your attention to detail on things that are just, you know, it's, it's, it's impressive. So I'll just start with that. You can, you can keep that. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Uh, what, how I, uh, where I'm from. Well, I was born in England. Um, I left when I was 16 after my GCSEs, which no one will understand except Matt, maybe what that is. <laughs> and, um, I moved to Canada and I finished school there. And then my family is a bunch of artists, mainly musicians. Um, so I kind of grew up in an artistic household. So being a, a an artist of some kind was just kind of the natural thing to do kind of like, you know, when you're born a lawyers and doctors and stuff. And, um, so I just started acting. I called, I finished high school and I called an agency and I said, I'd like an agent, please. Cause that's, I wish, I mean, I wish I had kept that, that sort of like just assuming it would work out like that. <laughs> it did. It did. Um, they were like, uh, sure. Cause I think they were just so shocked at just like the directness of the question. Um, and then just from there, I, you know, I started working in Canada and, you know, bit by bit and show by show. And I met Martin Garrow in Canada um, when I was 24. So like last year um, and on a show. And that's kind of leap forward, like all these many moons later. That's kind of how I ended up here on Quantum Leap. And did you know at the point that um, that you you auditioned for quantum leap that this was going to be a recurring role what what awareness did you have of this actually my i didn't have any information i didn't know what the character was i had no martin gave me a call when i mean the pilot already happened and obviously they were reshooting the pilot and martin called and said hey like how are you well i got an email saying there's interest in you for a guest star on quantum leap and I was like, oh, cool. And right now I have a almost five-year-old and I've really been trying to stay in LA for work because I'm, we're all, my husband's also an actor and we're always traveling. And I just decided this year, I was like, I'm going to try and just stay here. And, um, thankfully when Martin called, he was like, yeah, I, I heard there was a guest star. And I was like, oh, I'll go do a guest star. Sure. Like, where is it? It's in LA. Great. And then Martin actually called me and he was like, well, it's not just a guest star. We're not, you know, with these things with shows, you know how it goes. You never know, especially recurrings. It's just how the storyline is going to evolve. And as you've seen with the headquarters stuff, it's just an ever evolving thing. And with time travel, you know, you do this here and then that changes that here. So maybe that person doesn't exist anymore. Like, I don't know. Um, and that was kind of, I was, he told me, I was like, well, who's, what's the character? And then he said Dean Stockwell, and I was like, well, 
I mean, he's like acting royalty. Um, and I got excited. I had seen the show as a kid, like here and there, my dad and my brother definitely watched it. And that was kind of it. There was a lot of mystery. There, the way you guys are feeling right now was how I was. I still am feeling to some degree because, you know, the scripts are still coming. Well, it, it's it's funny that um, they had mentioned Dean to you specifically. Um, when they approached you to play Janice, did they give you the background for the character, sort of where it fit in into the legacy of the series to prepare you for um, your overall place in the universe? I guess, I guess what I'm asking is, you know, how much did what come before inform where they started to approach your character in the new show? Or if you can even answer that. Um, well, I, you obviously have seen what at the time when I f had the first call, I didn't know it was as the scripts came that this was going to be an important, I mean, I don't, I actually don't even know when Janice came into play because they did the pilot and I don't know if Janice was always an idea or not. Um, but it was definitely going to be an important piece being Al's daughter. It obviously ha mm. comes with a lot of weight and a lot of significance from the original. And I do think it's important, like as a character, what, what you saw in 103 with what she went through with her mom and like growing up being completely groomed. I mean, I kind of think of it this way, like you guys love quantum leap, right? And imagine if your parents like created the show and like you went to screenwriting school and you were like, learned all the episodes, which you guys have, and you knew everything about it and every actor. And they're like, you're going to take over. And it's the only television show that exists like in the world. <laughs> And then one parent's like, actually, you know what? After all those years of prep, we're just not going to let you do that. So I think the reason why Janice, some people are like, oh, she's a villain or, you know, I'm like, well, it's kind of fair. Like she's supposed to be there and it would have been, you know, um, it was her legacy to inherit, in my opinion. Um, and that was all I was really told. But obviously as the scripts came, I'm finding out a lot more now because as you see in the series, this is very sprinkled right now as we get towards the end of season one. So mm. that answers the question. Yeah. And I, th I think what we're, um, this isn't a question really, just a response to what, what you've said. Mm. Um, we know uh, a couple of us have read the original pilot script and we know she was in that. And I hadn't read the original, so I don't know. Yeah, so she she does seem to have been a, a, a concept from the very start. And certainly what we're seeing is, although there was this kind of antagonistic element at the start of the show, we're now learning that, yeah, she's working with Ben, she's helping Ben. The last time we saw her, she was she was saying, she was trying to give Ben some sort of warning. <laughs> so cat tail? <laughs> yes, she likes to get involved in the interviews. <laughs> it was just so dark. And then it was like your own little tail just came up while you were talking. <laughs> Um, don't yeah, worry. Definitely a cat. Um, sorry, continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no, um, just, <laughs> just an observation really. And I, I don't know how that, that affects your performance or your approach to the character that, um, she, she was sort of set up to be the antagonist or the villain of the series, but there is obviously this other side to her that, um, she is, she's there as the support for Ben, yeah, just a support that we don't fully understand yet. Yeah, that's what I love about her. And it's actually been one of the harder, uh, 
harder roles in a way for me to balance and in, and in, in the performance, especially in the episodes coming towards the end. Um, it's been really interesting because with what I can say and not say, um, you know, it, it's this how much information that one can give away and <laughs> I'm trying to put this in a way that I can say it. It's been a really fun character because every episode has been slightly different and it definitely started off a certain way, but there's all this knowledge underneath it. And I think it's always fun when you go back and you rewatch something from the beginning, you actually see you, you then re-see it. Now that you know this at the end, you start seeing those details in the beginning. And I've been very, I have so many questions for the writers a lot because I'm very aware of the fact that we're going to, that sometimes things change. And I'm like, I want to make sure that what's happening here, you know what I mean? If you went back and watched it, it makes sense with where we're heading, even though that sometimes changes. And as an actor, that's a really fun thing to do because I have to really think all the time of like, well, how would I talk to this person differently from that person? And why would I talk to this person that way? And what do I know? And like, all because Ben and I know about what's coming. Do you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's definitely been an interesting juggle. Uh, when you were working with Susan, uh, playing your mom, Beth, uh, were you able to kind of uh, talk amongst each other about your backstories for like your individual characters and how they work into the Calavici family? And like, did you, did you have any um, thing in your, both your minds when you were playing those characters that we might not have seen on screen, but informed your performances? Yeah, we hung out in the trailer. I love Susan. It was very funny when I got the job. Susan had a scene with magic, I think, in an episode before I had a scene. And I met her in the trailer and I saw her and I was like, I get like, well, I actually had looked this up before when I when I was talked about the role. I looked up, I watched like all the scenes and I watched the scene where Sam comes back and talks to Beth, which just is the most heartbreaking scene. And then the other scene I love is the scene where Al talks to Sam about, I think this is this is the reason for this leap is for you. Beth's the only woman I ever loved that whole scene. Just like, (laughs) he's just, he's just so good in it. And he's like pretending to not care. You know, he's looking at the, the hand link while he's talking to him anyways. And I saw the two of them and I was like, well, I'm lucky. Cause like, I get why I could be their kid. So that's like a nice, it's, you know, this was the way the role had to go obviously with these two already existing, which I think is so cool because there's this link to the past. And I asked her so many questions about, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, well, how do you feel about the new show? And like, what was it like working with Dean? And, you know, all these, it was very fun. And we sat in the trailer for a while and we talked about, you know, when we were working on 103, that scene, we really had to, you know, I was like, well, what do you think? How long has it been since, you know, dad passed away? How often have I seen you? Do I talk to you very much? Like, what's our relationship? And um, Susan and I definitely kind of went through all those details and it, it had definitely been a while since I had seen her. But I think, you know, Janice had only just figured out what her mom did. And um, so it was very still present for Janice in that moment, plus the information that she obviously in 108, we know, got some information from Ben and why she's even doing any of this. Um, And 
yeah, we got to talk about lots of, it was fun. And we went over the scene and, and we talked about all those details. And I love that because I like hearing also what, you know, you kind of come in with your ideas of what you think they think, but then they tell you what they actually think. And it's always like, oh, I didn't think of it that way. And that's the joy of creating something with someone. Right. And putting that backstory in place for just to inform the way you do the character. Now, as we saw at the end of 108, we've sort of had a, a sea change in the way we're going to be viewing Janice going forward. Maybe not such a bad guy, maybe just working across purposes at Ben's request. So potentially an ally. Um, will we be able to see do you know a little bit more of that backstory of how she was being groomed to work for the project? And then magic decided, well, conflict of interest, maybe too close. Will we get to see any of the lead up that led to the, I guess the initial meeting with Ben and then the stuff that, that leads up to her working against the project for all intents and purposes. Um, I can't say yes or no, because I'm not sure. Cause we still have like, you know, we still have the rest of the season. We're still shooting. So I can't say yes or no. You do there. I definitely have a lot of questions about my relationship with magic because I think I was groomed by, this is my personal, what I've created for myself is that I was definitely groomed by my dad. I'm the youngest of the four kids. So I'm like the baby and I think that I was around, you know, all the others had gone off and I was with, you know, Al all the time and I was interested in what he did. And I think, I don't think that Al, I remember listening to you guys on earlier podcasts about like, well, do we think Al was just sad forever? And like, you know, it's an interesting, I think that he got on with my personal thing is I think he got on with his life, but I don't think, how do you ever? And I think it might've been you, Matt, or I'm not sure who it was, but it was like, how do you ever forget your friend, your best friend who's just lost in time that you completely you know what I mean? You'd never, you'd never go, you'd get used to it. Like we all do in those yeah. ways that we can think in comparison, but you never, for, you would never forget because there's, he's still alive. Like he's still alive for all we know. Um, and I think I always had the goal of like, you know, I want, like, I think, you know, she had the goal of what her dad would have wanted. And I don't think there was ever an agreement that she was going to work for the program. I think she assumed it. Um, <laughs> And I, cause she's pretty sure of herself and she's pretty smart. And I think she was like, well, obviously I would run this thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then, cause that's the conflict of just assuming something that then really goes a different way and not even knowing it was your mom who didn't even want you to do it. Um, there's yeah. definitely, I think some things with magic, finding that relationship with magic. Cause there's a history there underneath, but also keeping the story going forward. You know, because as you know, there's so much information to get into these episodes. Um, but I've definitely thought about um, of that. Whether we'll see it fully, like a flashback to it, I cannot say. I, I'm interested. You've um, you sort of mentioned a couple of times about yeah you know, the relationship with magic and um, yeah you know, whether or not we'll we'll see this develop. So far, what we've seen of you on set has been, I, I think you, you had the work with Susan, you've done some work with Ray. Have you actually had much chance to interact with the rest of the cast and crew or have you been kept quite isolated? Um, <laughs> I don't know what would give away something. Um, I, without, <laughs> this was just more, I'm just more talking socially, if anything, that rather than uh, yeah, I was in very terms of spoilers for the series. 
Yeah, I was pretty isolated in the beginning because I would just pop in. I mean, a lot of my stuff was me by myself, right? Like, you know, yeah. the, right. the imaging chamber and um, yeah, there was definitely, I was not around the main cast at all, um, which was fine because it's kind of like how Janice is as a character. Mm. But I did get to finally meet Ray, um, who, as you guys know, is just really wonderful and Caitlin and, you know, on shoot days, obviously when we're, we, you know, in the trailers, we all kind of pass one another. And so, but, um, yeah, I've met, I've met more people now. Mm. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> what do you want to see? Unintentional for fishing for spoilers. What do you think? <laughs> what do you think that's going to, what are your ideas? Oh, do you want, well, our, our speculation <laughs> yeah, now that, um, or what you want. Yeah, I mean, uh, so, I mean, as of the time that we're recording this, it's just the end of 108. We just found out that Janice is working at Ben's behest to save Addison from something. Um, I think that now that we have that shift in perspective, I'm hoping that we bring Janice into the fold somehow and that we see all of you guys working more in lockstep towards a common goal instead of across purposes with one another. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that you probably can't answer that, but... You asked what I'd want to see. That's what I would want to see yeah. because I'm intrigued by it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. See, I I feel the opposite. Um, I, I like the idea that maybe ultimately they are going towards a common goal but have different ways about it. And there is still this this ongoing, slightly anti antagonistic relationship where you have the project team trying to achieve something um, and uh, Janice and Ben, I guess, trying to achieve some the same thing, but in very different ways. I think that could be an interesting thing to play with. Yeah, it's been really interesting. I wish we did this interview after a different episode. <laughs> <laughs> we can come always have you back. Yeah, I think those are both really nice ideas. You know? Yeah. <laughs> 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 very oh, kind yes. very kind so you have gotten to basically have a fan dream um your character is the only one that has handled uh one of these mm -hmm. uh-huh so tell us um a little bit about um the the prop that you guys were using for the hand link it was a little bit different than this one and we've seen janice now used it i think two or three times on screen that we've seen. Yeah. Are you guys still using that the old stand-in hand link? Have you switched to because I know that you can get these now. Are you going to go the more colorful? Mine doesn't have as much color as that. Mine's a right. little more bluey greeny. Right. So yeah. I think Matt can give you the history on that. Yeah. So the the one you're using seems to be a, a genuine relic from 30 years ago, mm -hmm. which is in mm -hmm. itself quite a surprise to us. Um, so it, it was a it was a stand-in hand link that was used for kind of stunt purposes or rehearsal purposes. But the, the fact that there's a, a 30 year old prop still kicking around, albeit not a screen used one. Yeah. Um, they pulled is, it out of all. Very cool process. to us as fans. We, yeah. We, we spotted it and um, immediately recognized it. So, so you haven't gotten to use the new ones yet? The, the, the new uh, brighter colored ones yet? Uh, yeah. Deborah had uh, ordered two of them and we, we were hoping she was going to use them on the show. Oh, really? I don't know about mm -hmm. that. But I will say that when you mm -hmm. hold those things, you feel the fan base's feelings. <laughs> you just do. You're just like, there's so much significance to this thing. 
And, you know, and I have listened to you guys and I, you know, and I, and, and other people who are like, I love quantum leap and, and it's cool to be a part of something that already has all of this connected to it. You know what I mean? So, and I feel it and I feel, you feel a responsibility too. Cause you're like, God, I'm out. I mean, when I first got the part, I was like, do I need to have a New York accent? And like, I was like, <laughs> watching out. I was like, you know, we're obviously 30 years in the future. You're not exactly like your parents. There's like, and Janice is a little more like has, there's a seriousness right now that's obviously going on. So Janice isn't getting to, you know, it's not her on like a Friday night, you know, it's, it's a serious situation. So, but there's definitely glimmers of, um, I don't know. I was pretty dry. And I do think Janice, has that in her as we see more of what's to come. But yeah, holding the hand link was very cool and having his ring. There's a lot, like there's things for me that I find because of the love for the show and because of the love for Dean as well. I don't know. It kind of comes with you. I know it sounds so silly because it's just props, but like they hold a significance that actually is helpful. Have you referred back to Dean's performances in any other ways to help inform the way you carry Janice, the way she presents herself physically on screen, um, and anything like that? Well, I watched, I, I watched a good amount of Al. I also watched Dean in interviews in general <laughs> because I just, I mean, his career is very interesting. I watched like this 45 minute, just like interview that I found. And, um, my main thing with Al is obviously, look, we're dealing with it with, a different time of television and, you know, so things can't be exactly, you know, in a different time period in general. But one of the things when I actually just watch him is I try to think of it more like, this is my dad. You know what I mean? Like, what would I, what are the things about my dad that I like? What are the things that I don't like? What are, you know, those Al, what am I like? And I think that, um, I think she was – someone like Al, to me personally, would raise you with such certainty in certain things in your – like, you you know, you're just like, it's going to be okay. I'm going to figure it out because, like, you know, what – like, that was something that I have created for myself, that she was raised to be pretty um, confident and strong. I mean, um, yeah, th that's kind of how I've looked at it because to copy him completely – wouldn't really make sense because I'm not him and you're not exactly like your parents. Do you know what I mean? And then there's also Susan's performance and who she is as the character of Beth and what that would give um, Janice. So that's kind of how I, how I use that to the best of my ability within the storyline too. There obviously has to be moments to show these things. And I think it just depends on what, what situation a character is, is put in, you know, but I think the importance of the project and what the project means um, that is definitely right now, just a very solid part of Janice. And that's really her. She's just very w focused right now on that. Are we ever going to find out why Beth held, uh, your character back from working on the project? She kind of mentions it in one Oh three. They don't really get, I mean, she just says, you know, she's like, I just didn't want you to, become like your dad about it, whatever that means. Cause obviously we, mm -hmm. that could mean lots of different things or become obsessed with something. Um, I don't know. Maybe Beth has, it'd be cool to see her again. It'd be cool if she has some information that maybe other people don't have. I personally, this is me now. I personally would love magic and Beth to have some sort of relationship. I think that would be interesting. Um, I just thought I they were cute that. together. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I just feel like there'd be a conflict there. I don't know. I just thought that was, I was like, you know, I thought in their scenes they were cute. That's just me. Um, yeah, that was kind of all she said is she just didn't want her daughter becoming obsessed with something, but maybe she was aware that this was, you know, um, maybe she had spoken to magic a bit more and knew about what the project was doing and just didn't really want me to get caught up in that, you know, cause I do think Janice has a life. I don't think her life was just this. I think, I think Janice assumed she was going to work there and that was probably, I mean, I don't know how long, how long has this been going? The QL program right now. Do we know that? I think that they were established it for five years. They were building it and then Ben left and they still weren't quite ready. Right. But um, they were at the five year mark. Right. So, so Janice was rejected a a while. I think she'd already kind of, you know, she was rejected and then Ben came to see her however long ago. Has that been revealed? Uh, Well, we know it's at least six months. Exactly. Six months ago that he started disappearing off. Yeah. Hmm. So I think Janice had kind of gone off and started her own, like kind of gone with life. I don't think she was sitting around waiting for magic to call. I think she was like doing other things. And then Ben shows up and, you know, I think she's like, well, obviously, I mean, (laughs) you need me. Um, So um, yeah, that was all. And I think maybe Beth, maybe Beth knows something. That's all I really know about that. And then what she said in 103, which was just, I just don't want you to, hmm. you know, like me with my five-year-old. I just don't want you to climb the thing. I think it's going to be okay. Yeah. But it's just, <laughs> not. just on a much bigger scale. Like what if I got lost in time? Who knows? Right. Yeah. Mother's <laughs> would be a bummer. That, that makes sense. Right. Yeah. I had a yeah. silly question about the, um, the Halloween episode, Oh, oh Ye of Little Faith. Uh, there was a set photo that was released of the shadow and it was the only photo that the actor wasn't given. And there's like some speculation in the fan community. Was that Caitlin? Was that you? Do you know, did you play the shadow? There was a person like that looked kind of like you, kind of like Caitlin, but in heavy black makeup, a demon makeup wig. Were were you privy to that uh, during your filming of the Halloween episode or were you all like green screen or. I didn't get any fun demon makeup. Um, Okay. I don't know <laughs> who that would be. Uh, okay. Yeah. So that eliminates you as a suspect. So that's right. Mystery continues. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Right. Did you enjoy uh, filming those little parts of the Halloween episode? Yeah, I did. I mean, I had to do pick up. I mean, it was kind of like a pickup situation for me, just getting in those last like moments and stuff. Um, and uh, but that episode in general is very fun. The leaps are so fun. I I I I have leap envy. Um, because I love I love period pieces. I'm a big like I've worked a lot in different time periods in my career, and I love it because I love, I just love what the what the crew is doing, like in regards to like wardrobe and makeup and set. I mean, they're pulling these things together under like it's crazy. Like every you know when you have a show that's set in the 1800s, the whole show is set in the 1800s, and you're pulling everything and you're set dressing and you're good, right? But when you're getting scripts so fast and you're like, well, now we're in the 60s and now we're in the 90s and now we're here, like I think it's so impressive just everything they're pulling off. And then I get, yeah, I get, I get costume envy because I'm like, that looks kind of fun over there. Like I want to, <laughs> I mean, I want to leap. Would you leap? Mm-hmm. You'd leap, right? Like in real life, you, if you had the option. Well, uh, only a million percent. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. As long as yeah. I got to bring my daughter with me, and me and her would travel through time. Go through, go together. Well, I think we're hoping since um, ever since that reveal that Janice has her own imaging chamber that you you get to do. No spoilers, I know, but you get to do more of what Alison's doing and having scenes in the present day, doing all that stuff, and also popping up in the past. So yes, I need to show up over in a bright shirt, <laughs> smoking a cigar, maybe. <laughs> yeah, a cigar. Yeah, yeah. It's calling calling people nozzles. It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> you see me uh, leaping in 1970. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Cut that part out. <laughs> They'll be like, she's trying to take my job leaping. I just like period pieces. Um, yeah, so that's something we'd like to see. I mean, you're asking us what, what we'd like to see, where we'd like it to go. Um, in as much as you can tell us, where where would you like to see Janice wind up? I'm similar to you guys. I, I think I kind of... I never like removing conflict completely because that's no fun. I mean, you know, it's fun to have some, some drama. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't, you know, obviously I'd love, it'd be so cool to, to, you know, find Sam. That would be the ultimate, you know, for, for Janice to do that for, I feel like that would be very emotional for Janice, like through Mm. her dad. Like, I think that would be, just that one scene alone would be just like, I'd be like, I'm good. That was good. That would, how great is that? That's so awesome for everybody. That would be a very cool thing. Um, other than that, you know, honestly, I just get excited because when I get the scripts, it's not, it's always a little bit different than what I'm expecting now, which is fun for me. And that's why I like being an actor. Cause I like just getting scripts and figuring out like, Ooh, what am I going to bring to this? And that's the excitement of it. So I'm just open for the ride because it's got a lot of options to it, which I think is what's cool about having headquarters is like, you know, it's a slow burn right now because it's all being established. But I think there's just, it's cool to bring in this new element to the show and have, you know, more things about what's happening in the day tied to the leap and like trying to fix the leap. And anyway, I think, um, yeah, that's my long answer. (laughs) Well, if you want to see if we can arrange that uh, Janice rescues Sam, Albie has Scott's number. So, Albie, you'll, you'll give Scott a call, right? All right. We'll, 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 we'll get Scott on for we'll, we'll put that in the works for you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> That'd be so cool. And then we'll have to – I'll have to talk to you once you have other information where we can really, you know. Yeah, we'd love to have you We've back been hearing that. Yeah. We, we've been hearing the same thing from uh, many of the cast members saying, oh, we wish we could talk to you after this episode mm-hmm. or, you know, when everything is revealed at the end, we could have a much more in-depth discussion about all this stuff. So we realize that, you know, there are some constraints that we're all under at this point. But, yeah, uh, yeah standing standing invitation to any and all who want to come back and really just let their hair down once everything has been revealed and we know sort of where the series is, is headed. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd love we'd love to have you. No, I know. It's one of those shows where you can, I think you guys ask really like unexpected questions or you have unexpected details that you notice that I find I'm like, oh, that's an interesting thing. I didn't think about that, which actually is helpful, you know, in performance when you listen to people talk about the show or things they like about the show, I actually find it interesting or don't like about the show. It doesn't matter because it all is like, oh, okay, that's an interesting view that they have. Like, how could I 
add that? Oh, I have this scene coming. How would that maybe answer that question? Or, you know, it, it's, it, it's all interesting. And, and that's what I like about art is that whether you like it or don't like it, it's something that people are talking about, which is really the point of it is that you're like, Oh, I'm thinking mm -hmm. about it. And, and it, and it, I think it exercises your empathy because you are seeing something through somebody else's viewpoint. You're like, well, they would never do that which means you're understanding them to a certain degree. Do you know what I'm saying? Even if you're like, I don't think the character would do that, but you're like, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's all, um, I just find it all very interesting. People's different views of it. Well, we're gratified that, that you listen to the show and that, um, yeah. you know, uh, it's, it's surreal for us because I've said this just on every interview. We're used to talking about a 30 year old show where if we do talk to a guest star, it's a job they had, you know, back in 1989. And let's say, what can I remember? I don't know. Yeah. And here you are in the thick of it. And, you know, we're, we're getting to speak to everybody in real time. It's quite a privilege and just, um, a great place to be as a quantum leap fan and podcaster. So, I mean, we can't thank you enough for coming, making yourself available, coming and reaching out to the fandom through us. I mean, is there anything else about uh, the Janice character that um, we haven't touched upon that you would, that you would like to explore or any messages for uh, any of the leapers out there who are listening? The leapers. Well, I hope you feel, <laughs> Um, I don't know. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what I would say. I mean, you know, I, I, I think I, I, I mean, I hope that I'm not, not that I hope people like Janice. I think it's kind of, you know, whatever. I just hope that they feel, uh, actually, I, I don't know. I just want people to enjoy the show and, and I hope that they feel that they're getting, I guess through Janice. And I think there'll be more of that, that they get more of these details that connect them to the past which is what's fun for the people who did watch the original series. And um, I think they will ultimately like her a lot more. Um, and that's all I can. And I, and I hope so. And uh, I guess thanks for being so, you know, welcoming to this. I know for the, for the main core cast, you know, they've been like, it's cool. I, Cause I listened to obviously Ray and Caitlin's and Ernie's. It was just cool. I know that they were saying about being welcomed into this new thing. Cause it is a big, it's big. It's not big shoes to fill. It's new shoes to fill. And it's also finding the balance between the new and the old. And I hope that people are getting at least, you know, some of what they miss and then something new that they get to be like, Ooh, this is different. Um, yeah. Very well put. Well, thank you very much, Georgina, for appearing with us on the Quantum Leap podcast. Thank you. Thank you.